This is the Saturday Morning Special from Slasher Sports. Saturday morning special is here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slasher U, a college football podcast from Slasher Sports. And what a Saturday we have for you. I've been looking forward to this Saturday for a very long time, since last Saturday. Steve, (laughs) welcome in. Happy Saturday to you. It's going to be a great day of college football. It it always is. I mean, a a lot of people have been kind of like, "Eh, there's not really a lot of really exciting games. There's a couple of rivalry things. But, you know, you look through the schedule, virtually every game being played is going to have some kind of impact on a conference Mm -hmm. standings. So let's get at it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel, too. When you look at the slate and especially when you look at the Saturday six pack we're getting into, we have some really important games, especially within the Big Ten, within the SEC. Uh, and then you can, you know, there's a good game in the Big 12, too, a couple in the Big 12, which is a conference that you and I have really been advocating uh-huh. as being the deepest conference in all of college football. There's a lot to get into today in our Saturday six pack. We're also going to give you a great misfit game from each of us. And then we have a new segment where we're going to put a fork and possibly seven teams and their bull hopes on this season. And then of course, if you're with us, feel free to give us some questions, comments. We will get them throughout the show. Um, and at the very end, at the very least. Um, so stick with us and give us some comments throughout the show. We'd love to engage with you. That's exactly why we're here for this power hour to get you ready for the show. While we have you, before we get started, please, if you are watching on YouTube, um, give us a like, comment, subscribe. We have seen some great engagement with uh with our listener calling it a project very soon steve because we are really a lot of a lot of really fun things that we're getting into so far here so um, thank you so much for joining the journey with us and uh, we're just getting started so steve are you ready to dig into this saturday six-pack i indeed am let me see if i got my church key here yeah i got it all right so let's go all right sounds good so with the first game on the saturday six-pack it's the big noon saturday game it's ohio state versus penn state and i know you absolutely love both of these teams, Steve. So <laughs> Ohio State versus Penn State. Initially, right off the bat, this is we've talked about this uh, at the beginning of the week. This is an opportunity for us to see what, what Ohio State really has going for them. We it, They're actually going to play a team that could give them some competition. We haven't really seen that. We thought we might see that with Iowa last week. That was not the case. Will Penn State be the case, or will we see a Penn State Nittany Lion team that showed up against the Michigan Wolverines? Steve, what's your thoughts? I think this is Michigan 2.0, honestly. It's something. And again, my disdain for the Penn State athletic department and programs has, has been well documented on our Slasher Youth podcast you here. You don't say. I know. But, uh, I mean, one number jumps out at me, and that's 347. That's how many mm-hmm. points Ohio State has already put up this season. And, and yes, have they played a softer schedule? Yes, they have. But ultimately, you have to win the game on the field. you got to play the opponents you have scheduled. And when they do, there's not much doubt when Ohio State's, you know, kicking off on Saturday – that they're going to put a thumping on somebody. Now, I will say that the Penn State defense, I think, matches up better and causes some matchup problems more than any other team that they have faced. And Iowa's got a nationally ranked and an elite defense. Mm-hmm. Penn State is athletic. Penn State can run with and keep up with Ohio State. You know, in the secondary, their two safeties uh, are just terrific. And I I think they potentially could force some turnovers. But C.J. Stroud is going to have opportunities to be patient in the pocket. 
and force the ball. I shouldn't say force the ball and work the ball downfield because Penn State does not really have a terrific pass rush. So for me, as well as the defense potentially could keep Ohio State in check, I don't think that there's a defense anywhere, including maybe some of the bottom feeding NFL teams that are going to be able to keep Ohio State off of the scoreboard. So I, I think that this is going to be a very long afternoon uh, for Penn State fans. Yeah, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it, Ohio State is just this good. Hey, I mean, bring it on. I want to hear your take on this one. Ohio State is, in my mind, the best offense in college football. I don't know if there's an argument there. I mean, you might be able to find one with a, with a Bama or a Tennessee or Georgia, but I, I just can't see it. I think Ohio State is the best offense, and although I am doubtful or a little skeptical to give them the as the best team in the country right now overall because they haven't really played anyone, I'm going to be able to change my thought process on that after the game this week, and we're definitely going to be talking about that this, this week on uh, our, our thought process. Now, when we look at the over-under, Ohio State is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, this is something, this is like one of those really, you know, you talk about the sweet spots where you talk about like within the touchdown, within the two-touchdown line. This is over that two-touchdown line, 15-and-a-half. Does this become a three-score game? That's really what you have to ask yourself this question. I'm not sure. Although Ohio State has a very good offense, we have seen signs of hope for Penn State. You know, with the exception of the Michigan game, which is what we are expecting this might to be, 15 and a half points is still a lot for a team that looked really good against Minnesota last week. Um, over under 16 and a half as well. I'm not sure if I can give Ohio State 15 and a half points, Steve. I might have to lean towards Penn State with the points. No, I mean, and I was going to mention, we're going to be talking about Florida, Georgia later. And the line in that game is 22 and a half the last time I saw. Mm -hmm. I, I think Florida would beat Penn State. I mean, Penn State has proven that they cannot keep up with top 10 ranked opponents. And this has been not just this season over, over the thing. And then plus Ohio State. They have the number two defense in the country. Again, playing against softer competition. Okay, I'll grant you that. But again, they still have to execute the game plans and shut things down. So I, I for me, I, I, I think Ohio State covers. I think, I think Ohio State, if everything falls into place, they could even even cover the over on this game. I mean, I, I mean, just by themselves. I mean, that's how confident I am in this Ohio State team. I've been saying all along that Ohio State's the number one team in the country, that I have more doubts about Georgia than I do about Ohio State. Yeah, you have. But, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, Sean, the only way that this game stays close is that Sean Clifford has to, he's got to find his game. He really hasn't had a signature game this year. I, he played well against Minnesota. I think he had four touchdowns against Minnesota, if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken. Yeah. But he hasn't shown any indication that he is going to, that he's going to find that magic again against an, an elite defense. Minnesota is one of those teams we've talked about, Kansas and some other teams that had that early flash. And I was really excited about Minnesota. If you look at that team on paper, I still get kind of excited. But, you know, Penn State dominated them, and th this isn't Minnesota. Okay, This isn't even Iowa. I mean, this is Ohio State. So um, I, I really think that this is going to be a signature moment. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have people now talking Ohio State needs to be the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that will be a conversation piece if Ohio State takes care of Penn State, you know, very handily. Um, even if it's not as bad as Michigan took care of them, we just, I think we finally are going to get the opportunity to see, is Ohio State for real? We haven't seen that with their schedule this year. This is the time. You know, we find, we know we're going to see Ohio State versus Michigan at the end of the year, but until then, this is the best test for the Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud, obviously, in Heisman contention, one of the top, a lot of people think he is right now the front runner, another opportunity for him to really show his case. And I think, again, 
just like his team, this is a prime opportunity for him to really take off. We saw it with Hendon Hooker in Tennessee, where he became a front runner because of his performance against Alabama, a top team. CJ Stroud, this is his time to shine. Let's stick into the Big Ten. And let's I, I, just, I just want to, I want to just ask one real quick question before we move on to, sure. to Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. If Penn State has the kind of game this week that they had against Michigan, does that seat start to warm up under James Franklin? That's a good question. That's a really good question. I think that we we shouldn't let it go. I think there should be some concern. However, we've seen Penn State in the past, right? They go six games, they look real strong, and then they start struggling off the bat. If your only losses are to Michigan and Ohio State, and then you find a way to win the rest of them, I don't know if at this very moment you can give him a hot seat. I would say it starts to get warm. Don't get me wrong. It's not a, it's, it's not going to be a comfy chair for him. But I don't know just yet. Well, yeah, not sure. Not sure yet on that one. I would like to say, yes, I would like to say that you should really, you know, pay attention to that. But what we've seen so far throughout the Big Ten, and, you know, he's not a terrible coach. And, man, I don't know. I'd have to lean towards no right now. Until I can really dig into it more, I'd have to lean towards no. All right, Michigan, Michigan State. This is another one of those great football games that we see every year. And what fun this one is. I don't know if it's going to be that fun this year. However, Michigan State usually plays well against Michigan and has Jim Harbaugh's number in the past. For some reason, Michigan's a 23-point favorite in this football game. As much as Michigan State has had their woes this year, and we've definitely tracked them throughout this, this show here on Slasher U, um, and we've definitely heard some thoughts for the Michigan State faithful, I, I don't think Michigan State, is going to lose by 23 points to their in-state rival. I mean, we have seen some some of the best games of the year in college football seasons past when in the Michigan versus Michigan State football game. I don't know if Michigan State can get it done against this Michigan team. I think this Michigan team is a very special one, but by no means do I think they, they lose by over three scores, Steve. The only way that Michigan State stays in this game and covers the spread is if Tom Izzo is invited into the locker room, he somehow converts his two, three zone schemes into a defensive scheme that can slow Michigan down. That's the only way (laughs) that this game stays this close. I mean, we already are hated by Michigan state fans here. um, And you're just making it worse. Well, well, you know, those Mel Turner lovers, um, this is the Mel Turner Bowl, Michigan, Michigan State. Now we 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 have now renamed it. Forget the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Oh, this man. is the Mel Turner Bowl. And in case you were wondering what we're talking about, we made a mistake of calling Mel Tucker Mel Turner. But yeah, it you could just be gave us a hundred comments on this page. Right it, it, but you know what? It, it might as well be melatonin because it it really doesn't matter. Okay, okay. Uh, you know Mel Tucker's mercenary approach at Michigan State is kind of catching up with them here this year. Now, I'm not saying that next year, especially if they can capitalize on the transfer portal, that Michigan State can't try to right the ship a little bit. But I think Michigan State's coming back more to the pack. And we're having, you know, really just two elite teams in the Big Ten. And Penn State's kind of like in the hunt kind of there. I think Illinois has certainly been a great story. But sure. Michigan State's coming back to the pack a little bit, and th- this is just not this is just not a good matchup. It's not a good matchup on paper. It's not a good matchup timing wise. It, mm-hmm. It's Michigan can run the ball with anybody. Yeah, no, they definitely can. And when you look at this Michigan State offense, I really thought that it was going to be a lot better this year. I mean, when yes. we talked about the the preseason, when we talked about the thoughts on this this conference. I mean, obviously I had high hopes for Michigan state after what we saw last year, Peyton Thorne has not done that. I mean, his, his last name is exactly what it is. It's been a thorn in the side of the Spartans for the entire season. And we thought we were going to have this amazing running game with Michigan state. 
And Berger and company has just not done that. And I don't know if it's all his fault. I think there's obviously some awesome offensive line woes. And then the defense, especially the secondary, has been an absolute nightmare for this team. I still don't think they lose by that much. It could be close. Um, but if I'm playing this bet, I'm going to take Michigan State with the points. I think Michigan takes care of it handily. J.J. McCarthy, another one of these games for them that we can decide and see, can he manage the game? We saw him against Iowa. A lot of people had questions. Can he handle that defense and, and take care of it? He did. Yes. I don't think this Michigan State defense is even remotely close no. to an Iowa defense. If he can handle it, if he can get the run game going, Blake Corum, obviously a Heisman hopeful. I think Michigan takes care of this. Harbaugh finally gets a um, gets some nice recognition, some nice respect against Michigan State. They moved to eight. No, that's my thoughts on this one. And then we get another thought process here. If we have an Ohio State win and a Michigan win, we just get to keep building that momentum about maybe two battles of the unbeatens at the end of the year. And then really, honestly, I'm, I'm taking that to be the winner of that goes to the college football playoffs to represent yeah. the Big Ten. The only thing that concerns me in this game as far as betting and the spreads go is that Michigan's got to stop with the penalties. They, they, you know, I mean, they are just – I don't think they're the, the most penalized team in FBS, but they've got to be – close i mean i mean they just gotta stop making uh, and a lot of them are foolish penalties mm -hmm. so from that standpoint i can see because it's just such a big rivalry game and everybody is so psyched michigan state does some yapping michigan state gets michigan to be too emotional in this and those penalties end up stalling drives or giving michigan state opportunities for yeah. some easy points but I'm again um, calling Tom Izzo. Uh, please report to the stadium. You're the only hope for the Spartans this week. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we saw emotions rise at, at halftime in the tunnel between Penn State and Michigan. I'm sure emotions are going to be high between Michigan and Michigan State. We got someone joining in, Drixley, our good old friend of the show. Melatonin Bowl is better. Laugh out loud. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a good one. Melatonin Bowl. Um, even our even the people commenting in are going to get us get us uh, canceled by the Michigan State faithful, but that's okay. All right. Good let's to hear from you, though, Drexley. Yeah, thank you so much for joining in. And as you can see, if you're commenting and if you're watching, I do see we have a pretty decent amount of people watching today. So thank you so much for chiming in and, and, and watching us here on the Saturday morning special. If you have anything you'd like to say, comments, questions, even if it's not a game we're covering at the moment, we can get to it. And we always leave room at the end for listener questions. So thank you so much. All right, let's head into the conference that, Steve, you and I have been really excited about all season. I still believe it. I think I'm going to believe it probably for the entire year. This is the deepest, deepest conference in mm -hmm. all of college football. It's the Big 12. That's what I'm talking about. And with this one, we got the Pokes versus Kansas State, Oklahoma State versus Kansas State. This is going to be a good football game in my mind. I want to know, honestly, we look at this. First, first and foremost, we look at TCU, who is the only undefeated team left in the Big 12. These are the other two teams here that probably will be in the running for the Big 12 championship. I mean, honestly, this division is still wide open for, I mean, I think everybody to be in the Big 12 championship with the exception of maybe a few on the bottom. But, okay, regardless, this is going to be a really good football game. We've seen what Sanders can do um, at the quarterback position. We don't know what's going on with Adrian Martinez with Kansas State. Is he healthy? Is he going to be completely 100%? Is he even going to play? Um I, I like Oklahoma State in this football game just because of what I've seen in the past from Oklahoma State. They are technically a one-and-a-half-point underdog. I mean, but if you if you have anything within three, it's basically playing the money line, right? So right. just pick your how you, your spread how you feel. Um, plus one-and-a-half, you might as well, if you want Oklahoma State to win, you might as well play them on the money line and your odds be a little better. That's what I would play in this case. I like the pokes. What about you, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'm leaning to Oklahoma State here as well. Uh, I mean, Spencer Sanders has had a special season. He he really has. And the fact that there's still uncertainty on the Kansas State side at quarterback, uh, even if Adrian Martinez would start, by all, by all reports, he's pretty banged up. So how effective will he be? Uh, Oklahoma State's defense, if they, if they can force some turnovers, early i think that would give them an early cushion and they can kind of cruise a little bit I, I do worry about the cowboys defense 
especially rushing. I mean, they gave up 224 yards to TCU um, earlier in the year. They gave up over 200 to Texas. Uh, that could put them in a precarious situation. If Kansas State turns to the running game, that could potentially keep this game really, really close. I'm sure that speaks volumes as to why Oklahoma State comes in as the underdog as opposed to being the favorite in this game. And it seems so weird not to focus so much with Oklahoma State on offense. We're, we, I've been talking defense here and, and what they potentially could do. They have been great stopping teams on third down. That it ideally could be the deciding factor, I think, in Oklahoma State's favor. And, and it's, you know, it's really weird to me why why the line is there too because I believe Kansas State's lost three straight home games. Yeah, when I look at this football game, the biggest things that stick out to me is the yards against of Oklahoma State for sure. I mean, they are allowing over 450 yards per game. Kansas State obviously has looked good rushing. Adrian Martinez is a big part of that, though. Now, don't get me wrong. Vaughn is a very good running back for Kansas State. But when you have Adrian Martinez in, he is a dual-threat quarterback. They don't get that with their backup. That's just not something they get with Kansas State. Rightfully rightfully so, um, Adrian Martinez is one of those generational talents that they brought over in the transfer process. I really hope that he's 100% and he can go in this one because I think there's an opportunity for this to be one of those fantastic football games. Kansas State doesn't score as much points offensively, even when Adrian Martinez is in the mix compared to Oklahoma State. So Kansas State is going to have to rely on their defense a little more. Oklahoma State, even though they do allow a lot of yards, their offensive production is super high. Um, You know, even with the fact that you said Kansas State – you know, lost a, a decent amount of home games this year, and they are five and two on the year. I just lean towards Oklahoma State in this one because of how productive their offense is. I mean, Sanders has been banged up as well, too. We should probably keep that in mind. I mean, there's no, both of these mm. quarterbacks are probably not going to be 100%. Sanders, obviously, I think is a little more healthy right now, but you know, we are getting to the point in the season. I mean, we're in week nine, Steve. I don't think anybody's 100%. Everybody's pretty banged up, right? Spencer Sanders has already thrown for 2,000 yards this year, 15 touchdowns. He's got four picks. I mean, when you look at the stat line of Adrian Martinez, if you didn't know the full story, he hasn't even thrown for 1,000 yards yet. But as I said, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's done a lot of great things for this team. He is the reason that they are in the contention in the running and being 5-2 and 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 have the opportunity to seal themselves a a bowl uh, after this game. Still leaning towards the pokes, though. I think I'll take them on the small spread here at a minus one and a half underline. Over under 56. I'm taking the over in this one, even though I do think Kansas State defense is pretty decent. Ohio or Ohio State, Oklahoma State can it has a high powered offense. They can score. And then I'm not too thrilled about their defense. So I think 56 points is pretty easy between these two teams, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I agree. And I'm glad you mentioned Deuce Vaughn because he is great at finding holes that maybe aren't there. You know, if you if you're watching the game, you know, from from a fan's perspective on TV, oh wow, how did he find that hole? He just seems to have a knack for that. Mm-hmm. If he can break a couple of big runs, I mean, that takes a lot of pressure off the Kansas State offense, and then by default, the Kansas State um, defense as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think I would have to go with the the over here, but I wouldn't bet that with confidence. This is going to be one of those rare Big 12 games that really defense could rule the day. And, is, and I, neither of these defenses would jump out at you as being an elite defense, but no. circumstances could actually turn this into more of a defensive contest than we would be used to. If we have a defensive battle to the point where we have like the score is an under and we're like, and we're talking like field goals are the reason that we win this football game, like kind of like a big 10 or a maxion kind of style. Well, I shouldn't say maxion because there's no Mac and or defensive Mac, but if it's a big 10 kind of style football game, I'd be completely shocked, but there is an opportunity that the defensive reasons uh, win the game for one of these teams. In my mind, I think it's Oklahoma State Cowboys. All right, let's head to the SEC. I know everyone's favorite conference here in college football. 
when we're listening here on Slasher U. Again, thank you so much as we're halfway through the Saturday Six Pack. If you are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening later on the podcast feeds, thank you so much. Um, and if you're here, if you're hearing anywhere else, go ahead, comment, listen where you're listening in from, uh, what team you're rooting for, and we'd love to hear from you. We go into Kentucky versus Tennessee here, Steve, and this is the first task we get to see from the Volunteers since the win against Alabama. Obviously, they played UT Tennessee or Martin last uh, right. last week. That's not obviously a that's like a cupcake, right? Thank you for thank you so much for beating Alabama. We'll give you an opportunity to put your goalpost up. Um, you go ahead and play. <laughs> you go ahead and play the UT Martin until uh, we come back. So. This is going to be a good football game. Kentucky versus Tennessee. Tennessee is a 12-point favorite in this one, and I think that's pretty high. And I do have faith in Tennessee. I was one who really thought that Tennessee could beat Alabama. We've, we have that well-documented. However, when I look at this football game, I do think Tennessee wins this game right off the bat. But we have seen a Kentucky team who has looked dreadful and who has looked pretty dang good. And it has revolved around one person, and that is Will Levis. We have seen when Will Levis is not in there, their team crumbles. We have seen fumbles. We have seen reverses gone bad. We've seen the offensive line begin to diminish. And then the defensive side just doesn't fire on all cylinders. I do think there's still some of those concerns on that Kentucky football squad, even with Levis in. Levis is really showing his reasons in my mind to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the NFL draft because when he just shows right there that he is an absolute game changer for a squad, even with all the woes and concerns for a football team. I think he makes this one close, but I don't think he's going to be enough for this team for Tennessee and this high-powered offense with Hendon Hooker. Talk about Will Levis and being one of those quarterbacks we're going to be talking about probably for the next decade uh, on the professional level. Hendon Hooker is one of the most exciting talents that I've seen in college football in a very long time. It's crazy. I mean, could you imagine if he's still with Virginia Tech this year? And uh, who knows what would happen, what kind of season he'd be having right now. Putting him in a high-powered offense with those receivers at Tennessee has been absolutely one of the most fun storylines in all of college football this year. I'm taking Tennessee to win this football game. I'm a little skeptical about 12 points, though, Steve. I, I'm re I've really been on the fence about this game all week, and, and you – you made a great point earlier about how Kentucky has kind of let us down at times and at, at inopportune times, times where they really could have made a statement. What really, the offensive line of Kentucky really worries me. Yes, there have been injuries, but I mean, Levis has been running for his life <laughs> most of the season. And Chris Rodriguez, since he's returned, He's a bruising running back, you know, and, and I, I I really, really like him. I thought when he came back, that's when Kentucky would really take off. But he, he, he just – he can't do it solely on his own. You know, I, I mean, and he has to establish – he has to be able to grind out some yards, you know, to have Kentucky stay in this game. Now, the bad news for Wildcat fans is that Tennessee is only giving up, I think, 91 yards a game rushing. Right. But they you are know, giving and, up a pretty decent amount passing. Now, obviously, I'm sure that's a little saturated with that, you know, back and forth shootout between Alabama. But overall, they are giving up almost 330 yards per game. Right. You know, and certainly when you have Levis <laughs> and 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 the uh, the receivers that he has to work with, you could see them, you know, giving up some big plays and allowing Kentucky to stay in the game. But again, I, I think, you know, momentums is something that you can't put a stat line on. I think Tennessee is just on a roll. You know, they, it was a good thing for them. I believe to have played a more of a local rivalry game by playing UT Martin after Alabama, I'm sure that game was scheduled purposely oh, to sure. follow the Alabama game to kind of let things settle a little bit. I wonder if Tennessee is going to use their running backs 
Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. If they're going to use them as a weapon to keep the Kentucky defense, which is a physical defense, kind of keep the Kentucky defense, you know, off balance a little bit. They have the ability to to break big runs. Everything for me, as excited as I am, and as much as I like individual players on this Kentucky roster, and I like the way, the physical way they play defense, uh, I I really think this could be another game that we're excited about, but come the third and fourth, late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, it's going to start to turn into a blowout. Yeah, I can see it completely that happening. When you look at a team like Tennessee, who is averaging over 50 points a game in all their football games this year, and then against a, a team like Kentucky, who we have mentioned that has had some defensive woes, some offensive line struggles. I do think Kentucky can get the job done. I think there is an opportunity for the upset. I'm not really confident whatsoever. I do think there is an opportunity, though. We are playing in the SEC. you know, And you know what? The SEC, there always is an opportunity. I think Will Levis in the passing game will have some strong opportunities to put some numbers up. But at, overall, when you look at this over-under, 50 – or I'm sorry, 61, I'm slamming the over on this football game because Tennessee has averaged 50 points a game. And I think, you know, you would take that, take the counter off. I think Kentucky can get 11 points, you know, so with the balance off. So I think the over is pretty easy on this game. I'm going to lean towards Tennessee to, to cover the 12 points. Not super confident, but Tennessee gets the job done. If I was going to play, um, if I was going to lock anything, I'd take Tennessee on the money line with the over, Steve. I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go that route as well. I mean, I, I think Tennessee's for real. And it's not just the Alabama win that makes them real. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a terrific program. They've been building, I think, to this season over the last couple. I think they've kind of been building to this where all of the pieces are in place and we may very well be looking at Tennessee as being the SEC representative in the uh, football playoff. Absolutely. All right, let's stick with the SEC. You talk about if you think Tennessee is for real. I know you've had your concerns in the past. Is Georgia for real? And we've seen Georgia, obviously, the defending national champion. Well, we're not sure. I know, Steve, especially you, you are not quite sure if Georgia is for real. They go against the team of the Florida Gators who have had probably the most up and down year in the SEC this year. Georgia is a 23 and a half point favorite. Now the line actually went more in favor than Georgia. We talked about this at the beginning of the week and we saw the spread at 22 and a half. And I was already yelling, you got to slam Florida in the points on this one. Mm -hmm. 22 and a half. You have to, because we don't, we've seen Georgia, how they've looked against Kent state, how they looked against Mizzou and there's an opportunity that we could see something like that happen again. I don't know if Georgia loses this football game. I think they've figured some of their stuff out and they've definitely been adjustments, but this screams like one of those trap games for the Bulldogs, Steve. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm going to, I was going to save the surprise for the end. I, I think Florida wins this football game. Oh, okay. I, I, you know, there is nothing, you know, like if you're going to sit there and you're going to put it down on paper and you're going to add it up and have a balance sheet and everything, there is nothing that indicates that Florida beats Georgia in this game. You mentioned the inconsistencies, the up and down. Billy Napier is still rebuilding this program. And personally, I think they're at least a season ahead of what I, what I anticipated where they would be. That's fair. You know, he's a great coach. A win against Georgia at this stage of the rebuild throws open the gates, not only on on the recruiting end, but for transfers and the transfer portal. And, and we have to start thinking of transfer portal as impactful as we have always done with recruiting classes and, and red shirting. I mean, this is a factor in college football. Now it's all going to come down to Anthony Richardson, just uber talented, so much fun to watch. He, he has to protect the football. He cannot 
turn it over at the rate that he has against some of the more elite opponents. So right there, you would say, well, why in the world would you think that Florida can can win this game? It's Anthony Richardson. That's why I think if he has the game of his young career today, Florida beats Georgia. This is one of those games where Anthony Richardson can show the scouts, the general managers, the owners, the coaches of the NFL that he's for real. We've saw his name across all the mock drafts on all the major media outlets of he could be one of the top quarterbacks taken. I know his name has dropped a little bit here in the past, but I think there's a very strong opportunity. <laughs> Excuse me. Look at that. Sneezing live. Sneezing live. Um, I am not allergic to this game. <laughs> I think that this is going to be a good football game. I'm going to pay attention to it. Um, but you're right. I mean, Anthony Richardson has thrown for seven picks and only six touchdowns. When we talk about the peaks of valleys in this team, Anthony Richardson is a prime part of it. Although we think that he is probably the best player on this squad and deserves to have some, some looks on some looks on, uh, you know, NFL teams and being a possible first round pick. I think he actually will be a first round pick. It's just a lot of, there's a lot of thought process there. There is a prime opportunity that Florida can win this football game. If Anthony Richardson shows up, I agree with you. However, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I don't know if we could both take Florida and, uh, and live to see it the day, the next day on, <laughs> on the podcast. Right. So I'm going to take George on this one again, would not be shocked to see Florida put it up here. I would love to see it. I would love, honestly, I would love to see one of these SEC teams fall and just prove that they're not completely invisible against another conference. Just, well, just not in our conference, it's another SEC team, but against another non-college football caliber playoff or playoff caliber team. Oh, my word's just crazy today. Not enough coffee in the world, apparently. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm leaning towards Georgia here. The reason why I'm leaning overall is because even though I think Anthony Richardson's going to have a very good football game, you look at the yards allowed by Florida, it's almost 440 yards. And Georgia's averaging almost 525 yards of offensive production. Yes. I think that we are going to see a very high-scoring football game where we could probably see the overall in the 70s. And that's why, you know, when you look at the over-under at 56.5, I'm very high on taking the over on this one. When you look at the 23.5-point favorite, though, by no means would I take Georgia. I've already put my bets in early in the week about taking Florida as a 22 and a half point favorite. I put those bets in on Tuesday when I saw that spread and I talked to you on the show. I said, put those in now. I was, mm -hmm. I was also one of those people that's like, I got to take that. I wish I would have waited because I got, would have got an extra point. Did not see that coming whatsoever. I thought this spread was going to come down. Down. UGA though is going to win this football game. Florida is not going to make it by more than three scores. No, Steve. It's funny here. We're talking about lines and gambling and putting our bets in. Florida's playing with house money in this game. My guess is that Billy Napier is going to just throw caution to the wind, and, and they're going to come out. And they're going to come out gunning, and they're going to come out throwing. If they are successful early doing that, that could allow Florida to later in the game establish the run. Now, Georgia's defense is terrific against the run. So again, all of the things on paper and that you look at are saying there's no way Florida can win this. But again, if they can be successful early and kind of have that Bulldogs defense back on their heels a little bit, where they're now maybe focusing a little bit more on shutting down the pass, it could open up the running game that could slow things down enough where Florida can keep pace. So I'm just going with the gut here. I mean, absolutely, if you haven't already, run down to your sports book or go online, bet Florida, take the points. For sure. But if you really, if you can get some really nice, you know, odds or some kind of teaser bets or something or parlays where you have where we have where Florida, you kind of keyed off Florida beating Georgia. Uh, it might be worth a couple of bucks trying to do that. I'm with you. Drixie chimes in again and says, I was thinking you're going to take Georgia. So they're talking, talking to you, Steve. Looks like um, I know a lot of people are going to think that this is going to be a pretty easy win for Georgia, just based on what we've seen with Florida for the past few weeks. But like we said, we, I mean, 
we just saw Florida lose to LSU. LSU is one of those completely random teams, though. I mean, they're like they could be a juggernaut. They they've had peaks and valleys as well. There's an opportunity that Florida can can take care of it. If you want to make it play a comparison game, Florida won against Mizzou by seven, right? And Georgia only won by four. I mean, obviously, this was if you you don't want to take the points um, spread the difference, and really, if you don't, if you, you got to understand what kind of games those happen. Georgia has made some adjustments. They had a pretty rough middle of the year um, against basically those two weeks, especially against Kent State and against Mizzou. They obviously took care of, you know, they made some adjustments going in the Auburn game. Obviously, they just played Vanderbilt and just blew the brakes off them. You come into this football game against Florida, it could be a very interesting one. This is what I'm going to pay attention to. We probably talked the most about this one in all of our show because we do think there's a possibility for the upset. All right, Steve, before we dig into our misfits today, what games are you paying attention to that we haven't talked about in the Saturday six-pack that's got your absolute attention that you're going to be paying attention to and we'll hear from you on Twitter throughout Saturday? Well, you know, we need to go back to our distributor because I think we only talked about five games. In our that's section. right. Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I looked at it. So we have to ask a question here because <laughs> I, I, I like the way you transitioned that way is, you know, what games are you looking at? Um, like I said, co- there's not enough coffee in the world today. We can't even count the six. So, okay. I, I am really interested to see how TCU fares against West Virginia on the road. Again, I, I think TCU should be among the four teams that are considered for the college football playoff when the when the initial uh, rankings or whatever you want to call to come out. It's not going to play out that way because it, it never does. But uh, I wonder, does TCU really try to put, you know, the cleats on the jugular of the Mountaineers, you know, to, to say, Hey, we are for real. You need to take us for real. And unfortunately to sway voters and to sway public opinion, you kind of have to do that. West Virginia's had some pretty horrific injuries, and with Strixley, I'm excited to watch the TCU game. So am I. I mean, it's. I was. If if I could have mortgaged my house, I would have bought a ticket to go down and see, you know, uh, the West Virginia game. But unfortunately, you know, the secondary market prices on this game because TCU is such a great story now or just way beyond you know my means to go you know, to to look at that but but I I want to watch this game closely cuz I have a feeling that TCU is going to kind of break away from its fairy tale kind of story so far this year and come out and say we are among the four best teams in college football right now and we're going to prove it to you right here on national TV. So that that's the other game that I'm really taking a look at. I, it kind of hurts me because I, I sort of have a soft spot for WVU. Um, you know, I you know I covered them indirectly uh, through radio stations that were down in the Morgantown market. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of my friends are big WVU fans. It, their games are on local TV all the time in all sports here in the Pittsburgh market. Uh, But I think TCU, I want to see what TCU does with West Virginia. TCU is only a seven and a half point favorite against West Virginia. And the reason behind it is because we have seen West Virginia play some very good football this year. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the statement that we have made time in and time out on this, this show for the entire year, the big 12 is, is a crapshoot. I mean, it is very unpredictable this season from the top to the bottom. Uh-huh. I mean, I had TCU at the bottom in my preseason predictions. I did not have them having this crazy season. Sonny Dykes has really took this team to, I mean, honestly, the promised land. When you look at the squad, though, could West Virginia have a game like they did against Baylor and upset the defending Big 12 champions and put TCU at their first loss? It could absolutely happen. Yes. Doesn't mean that I think TCU is a bad football team. I think TCU deserves to have that recognition in the college football playoffs. We had talked about this on Monday when we had some scenario talks. The only way TCU is going to make the college football playoffs is if they run through the entire Big 12 gauntlet and don't have a single loss. They have to go undefeated. I think they know that. If we know that, they know that. And I think that's going to make them play a different way. 
And this is going to be one of those great noon games on ESPN that's probably going to be on one of my screens. There's just so many good games this week. But with TCU, the Max Dugan story is absolutely amazing. It's one of the greatest stories. I mean, starting off as a backup and turning into, um, you know, having stat lines and having record book numbers that only RG3 Mm -hmm. can compare to in Big 12 history. Pretty impressive when you put yourself in that category uh, in college football history. And then Quentin Johnston, I think, has been one of the most entertaining wide receivers in all of college football. He is very fun to watch. That guy catches everything. So I am really excited for this football game. I think TCU can take care of the seven and a half point spread. I'm not playing it because I don't know. We have we West Virginia is just so damn unpredictable. Really is so unpredictable. So um, I, I'm just really interested in this football game. I'm taking TCU. Got another question for you. Have you ever witnessed the famed couch burnings? That must be a West Virginia question. I have. I, I, I And it, it still amazes me. Well, first of all, this has been going on for decades now. So how is it that the Morgantown and University Police Departments <laughs> aren't already staked out to stop it? It's it's a tradition that's embraced, as dangerous as it is, it's embraced. But yeah, it, it is something to behold. I mean, I've been to several WVU games. Uh, Morgantown's not that far from Pittsburgh even. but So, so I've driven through and seeing these couch burnings. It, it, it's one of the, the quirkiest, weirdest fan-based traditions in any sport at any level, but it, it, it you have to laugh. I mean, I mean, all you can do is laugh about it. I, I don't even know what the origin of it, of it is. You know, I mean, you understand, you know, taking down goalposts or, you know, I, you, you know, understand whatever it would that? Be. <laughs> you understand well, taking out goalposts. I do running on the field. <laughs> Every fan wants to believe that what they do is part of their team winning. So that's why they'll wear the same Jersey over and over again, or the same socks or the same underwear or eat the same foods. They really believe that by doing that, that's going to help their team win. And if, and if they don't do that, it's their fault that their team got upset or that lost the game they could have won because they didn't change their underwear that day well, or didn't burn the their same, couch. If they're after wearing the, the same before. underwear. I hope yeah. they burn the couch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about that one. All right, Steve. I mean, I feel the same way about some weird quirky traditions. I mean, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan and I don't understand the whole jumping through tables thing. I mean, I've never understood that. That's new. That's a new thing. Uh, when I went to, when I used Just never got it. It's never got it. It wasn't a thing back then. So, all right. You ready for our Misfit Games? Um, it's going to be a Misfit Games, always a good way to end off the show. And then we got another cool, um, cool little topic for you before we end off. But my Misfit Game of the Week, we didn't talk about the ACC at all this week. So that's where I'm going to throw mine with my Misfit Game. I will say that I was tempted to talk about Syracuse and Notre Dame. I didn't think there was an opportunity to talk about that football game, but they don't qualify for misfit. Syracuse is still ranked. So I do think that football game could be good. Syracuse, will there be an upset? Will Notre Dame come back? Who knows? That's the best we're getting with that one. But the misfit game I'm talking about today is Miami versus UVA. I think this game is going to be one of those interesting games. It could be one that the sicko committees pay attention to. That's how bad this one could be as well. But two teams, three and four, two teams that are struggling, two teams that we did not think would struggle this bad this year. We look at a brand-new coach for UVA who's had offensive woes, an offensive coordinator from Clemson coming in the coach UVA who had a great offense last year under Armstrong and company, and then they have some issues on the offensive side. And then when you look at Chris Bull in Miami, we knew there was going to be some growing pains. I just didn't know it was going to be this bad. There's obviously a quarterback controversy in Miami as well. There is a lot of things to unpack with this football game. I'm not going to dig into all of them because we don't have an entire hour to talk about it because I really do think we could discuss this entire game for an hour. Um, I just don't know if we want to. ESPN 3-12-30 for this game. Miami's a three-point favorite on the road against UVA. I want to see what happens with Van Dyke uh, for the rest of the year. That's why that's a storyline that I want to pay attention to because it's just he's been rocky. 
He's been he's been shaky. He's been rocky. I wonder if Chris how long Chris will keeps him in and, and continues it off. He's had some really good games. He's had some games where we've really thrown question marks. But overall, Miami has found a way to still almost get 450 yards of offensive production. But when you look at the record, they're three and four. I think this is one of those games for each of these teams today. The winner will find themselves in a bowl game. The loser probably doesn't find themselves. You know, four and four looks a lot better than three and five when we get to when we're heading into week 10 of the season. So I'm leaning towards Miami to figure it out and take care of it. Really makes you wonder, though. First year coaches, this is the battle of first year coaches. When you have a big expectation in the ACC and you sit at three and five after, you know, heading into week 10 in, in your first year, does the seat get warm that fast? I don't know how I, I don't know if that's really the case, but I'm sure that there's a few fans that are already asking for them to leave and get out the door. Well, you're, you're always going to have that. I would think that the seat would be warmer at Charlottesville than it would be for crystal ball in Miami. That's not to say that either coach should be in danger. Okay. Right. They, you know, they are coming in and they are putting their stamps and they're establishing, you know, the, the boundaries and the guidelines for what they see for both of these programs going forward. I don't know that Virginia gets a bowl even if they beat Miami, I, I want to say they're they're too boring, but they're not a they're not an exciting brand of football, really, especially because they're struggling on the offensive side. But I I think for Virginia fans, I think it does give you that booster going into. I'm not talking about money booster, but that confidence booster going in to next season and going into spring practices. Hey, you know, I can see where that's going down deep. I think Cristobal, I mean, you always want to win every week, but I think down deep Cristobal is okay with the fact that Miami did not match early all of the wild expectations i think and not just in their fan base but i think people and and writers that cover the acc i, I think they really put the hurricanes on a pedestal mm -hmm. that they maybe really hadn't earned yet uh certainly you know crystal ball he, he just just signed an, a, another big five-star recruit uh yesterday i think they announced it Miami is, is going to be a problem in the ACC for a lot of years to come. Um, I think Clemson knows down deep that this might be their last great shot at being, you know, uh, really the, the, the big team on campus uh, that they're going to now start having to deal with a Miami program that's on the rise and that has the talent in place. They're young. Uh, they've had some big moments this year already. Um, so I really think, you know, it's the decline of the Clemson empire and the rise of the hurricanes again, uh, I, as early as next year, you know, all honesty, I think it's probably more 2024, but I, Miami is going to be the new dominating force in the ACC. And I think for them to make a bowl and then have a great performance in a bowl game, that's going to do so much for this program and and have so many more eyes stay focused because i think some people are kind of like well yeah miami uh you know there was the hype and is crystal ball all this you're already starting to hear those stories you know uh, as you go and your research or you're looking to see you know who you want to bet on any given week you're already hearing those narratives but i think miami uh th th this is this is a chance for miami to solidify that bowl bid and I think Miami um, is a team you can you can watch this game and see why they're going to be so good in the, in the years to come. I didn't expect that to take the turn where you thought, said the, the Clemson dynasty is about to end. I'm, I'm interested in that. We're going to have to dig more into that here in the future because I'm actually really interested to hear your thoughts on that one. All right. What's your misfit game of the week? I know we usually head to the FCS when we get to your when we get to your thoughts. And, and, and I'm 
staying right there. We're going chalk. We're going FCS. We're going with two ranked teams. The number two team in the nation in FCS, with all the upheaval that has happened over the last couple of weeks, is Sacramento State out of the big sky. We think of the big sky as being, if not the preeminent conference in the, in the FCS, certainly in within the top two. Watching them the past two weeks, I mean, I can see them running the table the rest of the year and winning the FCS championship. Wow. Uh, you know, they're not flashy. Uh, they're, you know, they're quarterbacks. It's an interesting mix there. Their senior quarterback really relies on the short passing game, getting the ball out to back to backs, short note sideline passes to the receivers to help control the ball. But they also have a sophomore quarterback in Asher O'Hara that's more of a running quarterback, and and that's how he gets things done. You know, on you know, on the ground is is with his legs. They need to control time of possession in order to win football games. And the big challenge with them facing Idaho is Idaho leads the FCS in time of possession. So these are two teams that are literally having to take their their best attributes attributes and beat their opponent who has the same attribute. So, so it's, it's a fascinating game. Idaho had a huge, huge win in Missoula against then number two or number three, depending on, on the poll you were looking at, Montana. You had to bring it up. Yeah. Well, and Montana lost, you know, lost last week. Some controversy there. Mm-hmm. There was a blown call that allowed the game to go to overtime to allow Sacramento State to really force its will in overtime in order to beat Montana. But that's what impressed me. They they took advantage of an opportunity. You prefer it not to be because of a flag or because of a referee. You right. prefer it to be because something happened on the field or a turnover. But they took that opportunity. They seized it. They beat Montana. FCS, and again, I'm extremely biased. I love watching FCS football because you don't necessarily have a bunch of five-star recruits, but you have guys that that have chips on their shoulders that want to prove that they can not only play at the next level, that they've been overlooked. And sometimes it's guys that came from an FBS program coming down here, finally being given an opportunity to show what they have. The deciding factor is, will Giovanni McRae, the quarterback, actually it's McCoy. Now, I, I always get my McRae's and McCoy's um, confused. Uh, for Idaho, if he can control the ball, he's a great game manager. And he showed that in that win over Montana. He has a nice balance of receivers and backs that he – he can control, you know, that march to the sea, if you will, or march to the big sky in this case, not march to the sea. So it would not surprise me. Both teams are four and zero in the big sky. So the winner of this game has the inside track to get that automatic conference bid. But but basically, in other words, to improve their seating, maybe get that first week by in the playoffs. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a fascinating game. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a more traditional football game. It's not going to be the high-power pyrotechnics. You're not going to have, you know, the Tennessees and the Jackson State kind of offensive dynamics on display here. But it's good old-fashioned football. It's FCS football, especially for the west you know, for, for the western schools you have a lot more of that smash smash mouth going on going on mm-hmm. so for me it's the game the, the two games that i want to watch most are both fcs it's holy cross fordham it's idaho sacramento state and sacramento state if they can 
take care of Idaho handily, I think now you're going to start getting more votes for them to be the number one team in FCS. Because for whatever reason, the number two ranked team in FCS never gets first place votes. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get, how can that be? But it, it was that way when it was, you know, when South Dakota State was number two, it never got first place votes. It's now the number one team in the country. You know, it, it was always the number three or the number four team that got first place votes, but not the number two team. But so many people view Sacramento State as the second best team, you know, in the in the in the division in the subdivision. That perhaps maybe they start getting a little bit of love in the coaches' poll. Well, I mean, Idaho took care of Montana, who was undefeated at one point. Now they have an opportunity to take care of Sacramento State. If you're going to pay attention to an FCS game this week, I know Jackson State Southern is a really important one to pay attention to. But this one is at 9 o'clock at night on Eastern on ESPN+. Plus, So you don't have a lot of competition. It's a good one to pay attention to. All right, Steve, oh, is, before... is Jackson State playing this week? I didn't realize that. <laughs> yes, they are. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's before I get you out of here, let's talk about uh, our final segment of the day, and we're going to call it "Put a Fork in Them." Stick a fork in them, if you will. There are seven teams in the FBS that have really—they are on their last leg, last string, if you will. They lose today. They are their bull bids are gone. Kiss them goodbye. And every single one of those seven teams, Steve, are underdogs, rightfully so, because they are either a one and six, two and six kind of football team. We look at teams like South Florida, who takes on Houston, Northwestern against Iowa. That game seems pretty dreadful. I mean, if you're sick, go ahead and watch that football game. New Mexico State taking on UMass, who's also going to be on the on the verge. Arkansas State's on the verge of being eliminated. They take on South Alabama, Colorado the power five team who's fired their head coach this year. They're on the verge. They take on Arizona state San Jose state takes on Nevada. Hopefully the knock, they could knock them out. And then Wyoming takes on Hawaii. And we know all the woes about Hawaii this year. They're on the verge of taking out. I am actually, when I look at these teams, I don't have any hope for any of them except maybe UMass because when you look at them against New Mexico state, I think that game could go either way. I think UMass might be able to stay alive. But I don't have any hopes for any of the rest of them. I think they we, we see at least six teams out of those seven get eliminated from bowl contention this week, Steve. Yeah, I have to go there. I mean, the team I hold out hope for, I think, is Nevada. I, they have enough on paper that any week they can come up with an unexpected win. But, I mean, really, when you look at this entire listing, I mean, Northwestern – had its highest point of the season. It wasn't even on this continent. They had to go to Europe. They had to go yeah. to Ireland to in have week a, zero. In, in week <laughs> zero, it was it wasn't even an official week of football. We, we have to have a show about this week zero thing too at some point. It has week to be zero a topic. Great. Week zero was amazing. Oh, it's great. Just call it week one. Is it really that bad <laughs> if a team doesn't start until week two? No, it, it really doesn't. But anyway, um, I, I think Nevada can kind of keep their hopes alive. Um, I think it's more of a case of keeping Nevada on life support as opposed to really establishing them getting a bowl. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think of all the teams that we listed there, I think we're looking at, at forks in them. You know, on, on my script, I had UCF and not USF. So at first time I was excited. I'm like, oh, I think UCF can keep things going. But we <laughs> and we talked about them in Fiber Friday. Right. But U, USF, you know, all the promise of that program has just come crashing down around them. This has got to be the end of Jeff Scott, right? It's got to be. I think, it's, uh, yeah, I think we're it is. Direction. And, and the money that the university has put into that program to have it not really pay dividends now, even at this point, that affects you know, how you spend on coaching and what you can do on facilities and everything. So the USF story, uh, unfortunately, I think is going to have um, a sadder ending than I think a lot of us had hoped for when they mm -hmm. first really tried to make a go for it. But um, if, if I was a fan of any of these teams, I would make sure that my forks are handy because you're probably going to have to be Stick it again into your TV listing 
Yeah, real yeah. quick. Yeah, okay. it's definitely it's definitely going to be one that's pretty tender for all these games. Again, I think UMass is the only one. Nevada could be good, but San Jose State's a very good football team. But yes, no, they are. Yes. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining Saturday Morning Special today. We left, kept you a little late. I guess we seem to be doing that lately, but that's okay. Thank you so much for joining us. I see we still have people listening and watching in, so thank you. Um, do appreciate that. We'll be back here again Monday morning as we get our Monday moanings because we're going to have a lot to talk about. I already have a few topics in hand. I already have a few topics in mind um, as we get ready. We're going to ask some questions about is Cincinnati for real? There's a big game coming up in Cincinnati today. And then obviously we got the action starting on Tuesday. So we'll give you some previews there, of course, with a couple other topics that we get to find out today that we'll build up. Join us on the Twitters. You can find me at Rao Report. You can find Steve at Feckless Wonder. And of course, find us at Slasher Sports. Throughout all today, we're going to be on the social feeds, giving you some, uh, some, some reports and some thoughts on the games we're watching today. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Um, we do have one more comment here. It says, just thank you for the show. Thank you, Drixley. He's sticking with thank you for us through the entire show. Have a good rest of your day, guys. We will see you back here next time. Hey.